0: If you're tired of the superficial and you're craving real conversation about life, relationships, fears, doubts, and the divine in the middle of it, this is the place for you. My name is Anna Dimmel, and I'm a blogger, writer, and former pastor. And it's my passion to build bridges, not walls, through honest, real conversation and connection. And I want that for you. This is the show that will help you do that. And give you not only inspiration and connection, but will help you leave the superficial for good and form the real connections you're craving. Your story matters, and I'm so glad you're here. Welcome. Hello, and welcome to the Behind the Mirror podcast. I am so glad that you are joining us today. On this show, I have made it one of my inner- Promises to myself that I will show up every week and be authentic and be real and be transparent and breathe life into you in whatever ways that I can. And some of those ways include me sharing life stories, me talking to you about the hard, gritty, yucky stuff in my life. Other days, it's me inviting other people, other voices, other minds, and thinkers onto this show that share their journeys and their walks and their trenches that they have walked through mud in and breathing life into you from their own experiences. All of this collectively, I do for the sole purpose of letting you know that you're not alone and letting you know that whatever journey you are on, it matters. It's real. It has weight and it matters. All of you out there listening have a special place in my heart. And I know that might sound weird. It might sound crazy to believe, but every week when I put together these shows, I'm thinking of you. I'm thinking of the stay at home moms with the screaming babies. I'm thinking of the guys in their car listening on their way to work. I'm thinking of people. Across the pond in the UK, that I've gotten to connect with, and your lovely stories and your awesome families. I'm thinking of the pastors. I'm thinking of the leaders. I'm thinking of the people who have left church altogether. I'm thinking of all of you. And so when I come to you each week, I'm coming as a friend. And there's a part of me that's still a little bit of a pastor. It's a hard thing to like kick out of my head. It's in there. But I love you guys. And I am so honored I get to be in this space with you every week for an hour. Sometimes it's a little bit more, but I love getting to be in this space with you. This week is definitely one of those weeks that feels like I'm giving you a gift. This week, I'm interviewing a friend of mine, Calvin. And Calvin, I know from Church World Worship Space, he's gifted and super creative and talented in all the things, but he's also so deep. And his story is rich and it's layered and it's messy and it's real. And this week I invited him onto the show and we get to hear about that journey of him stepping into his authentic self, of the journey of dancing outside the lines that he was given and how lonely that can be, how hard that can be, the struggle that comes with that. But also the beauty Also the gift that comes with stepping into your shoes that you are meant to walk in the whole time. I love Calvin. He's a breath of fresh air and his music and his work is astoundingly wonderful, but who he is as a person is even better. So I feel honored to get to introduce you to my friend this week. And I'm sure after you leave this episode, you will feel like you have a new friend too one of the things that I have really become so thankful and appreciative of in all of you guys is how you support this community that this show is building. And we do that through the Facebook group. There's a beautiful community there. And then there's also this other group of you that have decided to become Patreons and you support this show monthly. And I am just honored beyond belief that I have community around me that is forming community around itself. And you all are feeding each other and supporting each other. And it's just this beautiful thing that's happened here. And I'm so thankful and honored to be a part of it. If you are looking for ways to jump in to the community, there's a couple different ways. You can join our Facebook group. And the way you opt into that is on my website, just Jesusfollower.com, backslash podcast, backslash podcast group. And if you'd like to support this show by being a Patreon, you can go to my website and click on the button Patreon. And anybody who supports this show gets a weekly email where I give you like all of the nuts and bolts of the episode that I did. And I give you kind of the the background look inside of my head when I was coming up with the questions and what I was thinking and, and what led to the episode. And you just kind of get inside my head about the show. And it's a cool email that I send to the Patreons and it gives them an inside look into the workings of this show. So there are a bunch of different ways you can support this community and this work, and all of that can be found on my website. But all of that aside, you guys are amazing. And your story matters. Whatever part of it that you are on, I don't care how messy, I don't care how squeaky clean even, the part that you're on, it's important and it matters. And I hope that every week you find in this space the freedom to breathe and the freedom to just let down all the stuff and just be you. Because who you are is awesome. Who you are is beautiful. Who you are is wonderfully and beautifully and perfectly made. So. Thank you for joining us this week. I'm honored to have you here, and I'm honored to introduce you to my friend Calvin. So, without any further ado, here we go. Hello, and welcome back to the Behind the Mirror podcast. Today, I am joined by Calvin Arsenia. Calvin, you are a classically trained singer, harpist, and musician here from Kansas City, but you've gained worldwide attention for your music with followings in Paris, Edinburgh, and Austria. Your bio says you deliver shows that tackle sexuality, religion, and race in a stunningly unorthodox manner. Somewhere between sacred and sacrilege, you'll find Calvin furiously plucking away at his harp, questioning subject matter that rarely makes it to the stage. Holy cow. (laughs) Did you ever think that would be on your bio?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Probably not.
0: (laughs) So I know you from church days in the worship leading space and somewhere along the way you left that space and your music career took you on a totally different journey. So can you tell the listeners who may not know of you what that journey has looked like?
1: Yeah. Um, Gosh, it's, it's been, it seems like it's so drastic, but it's been such a a trickle for me. Um, I, I just really want to see people be happy and to see people fully alive and fully engaged in their own personal purposes, and and I found that um, that music um, is such a such a therapeutic medium of expression, and not only is it therapeutic, but it also brings people together in a very unique way. And so, um, I I just really gosh, um, I love I love. I love connecting with people through music and seeing how quickly it heals communities and it heals people and it opens doors and, and removes barriers. and um, I saw that first in the church, and I also see that outside of the church. and so I decided to, to give myself completely to, to the work of music and um, and I feel like my, the, the mission of, of healing and acceptance and love has never changed, but the, maybe the you know some of the mantras maybe have changed.
0: Right. Well, and this, kind of like you said, it was a slow process for you. If I, just from observing on the outside, it has seemed to me, it's not like you just one day said, that's it. I'm not doing the worship thing anymore. I'm jumping ship. I'm going somewhere else. It was like a slow, a slow trickle, like you said. Yeah. So what first captivated you about life outside of the worship space? Because you'd been in that space for quite some time. Mm-hmm
1: yeah i think it was it was some of the performances that i that i actually got to attend outside of the church that also i had such a spiritual experience in and mm-hmm. i saw that there was such an impact on uh on the world at large and, and you know one of the things that maybe was a part of that transitioning process was i realized that god's kingdom is bigger than his church and and that the mission of love and that the mission of of acceptance and of wholeness and of intention um, was not just only helping and serving people who were inside of the walls of the church and I really wanted to be a part of helping you know as many people as possible and not just people who who subscribe to to a membership to some kind of club you know um, and not not to make it you know anything less than it is. I think that there are so many beautiful people who have real sincere faith and real sincere belief and really want good for the world who are in the church. But I think um, just as much as there is good and evil outside of the church, there is good and evil inside of the church. And so um, I feel like um, in places where I, I didn't feel like accepted or um,
0: –
1: and, and it probably isn't even just about that, I, I felt that sometimes – Religion got in the way of of becoming fully alive, and so many of the people that that I know, and myself included, we get caught in this shame trap that I feel like Jesus Himself was so against, and um, and you know, I feel like He really didn't want to be a religious leader. He was here to help people find their future and find themselves in the now, and find themselves whole and find themselves loved and and so I want to do I want to be about his business in a way, kind of ironically, but you know, spending time with people who who need to, to feel loved and valued and spending time with people who who don't feel accepted. And that was like his main priority. And so in a way I feel like um you know creating some distance between myself and and the, the westernized church was something that I feel um, that is following in his footsteps.
0: Oh my gosh. I love so much of what you just said. Like, I love all of that. (laughs) And I think that I do. And I think with a lot of my listeners are like nodding painfully hearing you say those words, because so many of the people that listen to this show, that's what they talk about. They talk about how they feel like they're on the outside of their faith community. They feel that shame game that's just constantly on repeat in their head. And they're trying to figure out where do I fit? Because I I think I'm supposed to fit here, but I don't feel like I fit here. And outside of these walls, I don't know where I belong. Mm-hmm. And so when when you're thinking about your journey and how you you really were brave to decide to venture out into unknown waters and start building a life in communities in places you hadn't been. How would you suggest someone who feels stuck and lost inside of their church community or their faith community or their family or what have you, that they're wanting a new community? What would you say to people stuck in that space? Um,
1: I feel like for me, it, the, the, the process really started, um, there's a couple there's a couple stories um, I had a, I had a friend um, well and maybe to get a little bit of background i I was involved in my church and in my a small town kind of community really heavily and I felt like it was God's calling in my life to or at least I felt somewhat of a, a mission to never leave my hometown and to stay in um, in that church community and and to spend the rest of my life there and not rest until I saw a complete revival of of that city, and 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 so I spent all of my time and all of my efforts trying to, to you know, towards that end. And along the way, I met a friend um, who who was outside of the church, and he was looking for a home because his family had kind of rejected him, and so many of his friends had rejected him, and he had, um, you know, some bad run-ins with with drug abuse and he was looking for a way out. And I ran into him and he started coming to church with us and started trying to get really integrated into, into our community and so often had questions and so often questions some of our very fundamental Christian ideas but so badly wanted to feel the love and to feel all these promises that, that we were given from the pulpit. And sometimes when you're in the church, even with, when we don't feel it, we're taught to believe it, and and call and that's called faith, right? So, um, right. You, know, you can be you know steeping in in a pit of depression, and you're supposed to smile through it because God's faithful. And and I remember having a really like one of the most vibrant and spiritual experiences that I've ever had was was when he he came to me and said. Um, You know how how am I supposed to go deeper in my faith? And it kind of you know kind of came to me, and I don't know if it was God or something, but it came to me, and it felt like like what I was supposed to tell him was, "You're not going to find yourself, you know, really truly growing in the faith until you're ministering to other people." And and he was like, "Well, how am I supposed to minister to other people if?" If, if I don't know everything yet. And I said, well, you just tell them your story and you just, you know, you just are vulnerable, vulnerable with people. And, and, and then you encourage them. And, um, and he said, well, I don't who could I, who could I mentor? And then I said, well, why don't you mentor me? And he said, but you don't have anything wrong with you. Everything's going great for you. <laughs> and huh. and I was like, wait, hold on. <laughs> um, <laughs> some, okay. You know, obviously Something's wrong with this picture because I know the state of my own heart and I know the state of my own you know weaknesses and I know all these things, and somebody that I was supposed to have been you know a friend to, was was believing something that I had let him believe and led him to believe that that um. faith made everything go away, and and so then I started to be quite open with him about things that I had dealt with with certain leadership in my life at the time and um, and other things too that I was that I was ashamed ashamed about and. Being vulnerable with him, and with somebody who I was supposed to be some kind of mentor to, and showing my my brokenness and showing the the, the places of pain in my life, was so cathartic and healing, um, in ways that I can't explain. So then, fast hmm. forward, um, um, I, I left, or I was planning to leave. I, I moved to to Scotland um, on a mission uh, with a church community in Edinburgh. And the night before I was leaving, uh, he had come by the house to say goodbye, and and sometime you know late in the evening, I was still packing because I'm I'm horrible for that. I'm always packing in the last minute, and, <laughs> and right before he left, he said, "Go and love them like you loved me," mm. and that was the last time I saw him because uh, while I was living in Scotland. Um, he, he died of, of complications with drugs. And mm. and so a part of like and and I felt you know, if I'm going to be really just transparent, I felt like he had such a heart and such a desire to, to belong and to belong in the church community that that yeah. I had invested so much of my life into. And and I expected that he was going to be able to continue to plug in because I saw how much he wanted it. And, and I felt like I felt let down by the church that I had given my life to because mm. they let him die, you know, in my mind.
2: Right, right. So
1: my faith in the church system, you know, if because I feel like he wasn't just a, a quick Saul to Paul conversion where he was all of a sudden, you know, this, this amazing, clean, uh, problem-free, carefree, happy, you know, human that um, he was too much work for for that community or something. and um, mm. so so then after that, um, you know, I started to eat my own words and I realized that even though I was on mission um, working with the church in Edinburgh, that a lot of my a lot of my, I guess the tactic for 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 converting other people was this idea of being perfect and at least appearing to be perfect. And I hmm. saw that that desire or that practice was, be- was becoming such a hindrance in my f- real friendships. And, and looking people plain in the face and, and, and pretending like everything was okay was something that was not allowing my friendships to grow, to grow deeper or stronger with these people that I was supposed to love. Like, how, wow. how can they love me? I mean, love is, is, is a two-way street, right? So how can they love me if I don't show them who I am? and right. how do how do you how do you you can only go as intimate as you're willing to be open and so um I remember confessing to a non christian friend that I met in the city and feeling so liberated like i could I could be known and loved by a friend as I am and rather than what I was trying to present or be perceived as and um and so that was kind of the beginning of the journey and um and you know, homosexuality has always been such a huge part of that journey as well. And feel having like having um, you know an, an attraction to to men and attraction to the same gender was something that I felt like um, is so stigmatized in the church. And <laughs> and over and over again, we see people who are church leaders, um, you know, find themselves in in really really horrible scandals because they or at least like they, they become scandals because they weren't honest from the get-go and 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 they gave this perception which in turn becomes a lie you know like like I want you to buy into the thing I'm selling because it works for me when in reality like you know that that can't be the the um, the indication of of faith like our perfection was never supposed to be the indication of faith. Uh, it was our brokenness right. that we were kind of supposed to like, be be, um, be more aware of, because we need this love, and we need an unconditional kind of love. Because if it was conditional, we wouldn't have it. So, um, so yeah, I guess I guess all of that to say, like, like my. I, I just realized that the way that I was conducting my life wasn't not, wasn't one that would allow for me to have real and, and, and serious like good friendships and good just regular normal friendships, um, and so if if in the culture that I grew up in here in the Midwest was was something about this perceived perfection, then I then being away from that allowed me to see that 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 wasn't how friendships happen. And so um, I, changed, I changed my ways.
0: Mm. And I'm assuming as you changed your ways, a lot of your community shift, it had to shift as well. Yeah, for sure. Because, yeah, because, and, and this is something actually we talked about on the show last week, is this whole idea of authenticity and how so much of us longs for that. But yet, especially inside of a church system, like you said, it is just not done, and and it might be done to a degree. I mean, you might be a little bit vulnerable here and there, but for the most part, people are not transparent because they can't be. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been a problem the whole time. Because when you look back at Jesus' time, you know, it's not like he was irritated with the Pharisees necessarily for their theology or for their beliefs, although that may have been part of it but it was primarily because they were false. Mm-hmm. They were presenting something that wasn't accurately matching what was in their heart and in their mind. Right. And that irritated the snot out of Jesus. And as we see with his example, you can't build authentic real relationships on a foundation that's that's false. It just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So when you when you transitioned into okay, I am now going to step into an authentic space, I imagine that that was scary. Yeah. And I imagine that not only scary for you, but probably scary for the people who weren't used to seeing you as your authentic self because they had you packaged the way they liked you, mm-hmm. <laughs> the way they knew you. So how did you navigate that?
1: Gosh, I feel like that's definitely an ongoing process. And yeah. and I think there was a time when I was I was walking home um, while I was in Scotland. And, and a lot of the people who, who have known me for many, many years, probably would have seen a great shift in that in my life um before and after that um, and I think there was this moment where i was I was walking home and and I was praying kind of um, and I said, you know jesus said that 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 the truth will set us free, and the truth is that I am sad and that I like men." And and I said, God, we're going to have to deal with this together then, you know, but I can't keep lying mm-hmm. to you and I can't keep lying to me. And I feel like I, one of the practices that we were doing in that community as well, and I and I don't want to like, you know, be a dead horse, but like that time was so, so pivotal to me. Um, but one of the things that we did as a church community was we went out and I found communities that we could be the kingdom to like we spent 90% of our time working in the community and, and just trying to be a blessing and just trying to be love and just trying to be authentic and just trying to make real relationships rather than trying to get butts and seats, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And so, so I feel like all of the people in the church, we kind of hung out with different communities and some people play poker and some people did salsa and some people, um, you know, reached out in their workplace, and that was kind of their their um, the community that they chose to invest their lives into. And mine was in the musical community, and music has been something that I've loved and 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 found a safe place in for a long time. And so my friends came out of an interest based relationship, but it was always my goal, and still is now, to to make that the most beautiful thing I can. And to make that the most loving and accepting place that we can be in. And whenever there's a need to, that I can fill, to try to fill it to the best of my abilities. And rather than trying to make something out of nothing, just to find people that I really connect with and have, have stuff in common with. And, um, and the, the community kind of builds around that vulnerability.
0: Yeah. And don't you find, too, like the more... The more vulnerable you are, even though you swear in your head, you're the only person maybe that is the way you are or thinks the way you do or what have you. It's like, as soon as you expose that a thousand other hands, not really, but (laughs) so many hands like raise up and say, oh my gosh, you're that way too. Like it's almost this ripple effect of I'm giving myself permission. And so now you get to give yourself permission Mm -hmm. and it becomes this collective thing of people breathing. Finally. Did you feel that happen?
1: Um, yeah, I'm, I mean, I was, I've been having conversations even just at lunch today with a friend about, about, you know, people who grew up evangelical and, and, and have gone to all of these, all of these conferences and, and kind of been told all of these promises and, and then they left the church and you know, this is kind of what we have in common. But I try mm-hmm. to make a really, a really deep practice to not, um, to not resent my upbringing and to be grateful for it still. And right. I feel like having kind of a knowledge of 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 supernatural or an expectation of transcendence is, is something that still marks my life today. Um, and and so I, I don't. I, I would never want to build a community around a, a shared bitterness towards something. And and so rather than than um, than than um. Yeah, rather than looking for people who, who, who are, you know, because misery loves company, right? So, so right. rather than trying to find a community of people who are, who are equally upset about something, rather let's find a way to put our energies into something positive. And so to find other people who also love to see transcendence and also love to use ceremony to make things special and also love the way that music brings people together. You know, even in the realm of music, I feel like there are a lot of people who who are fame seekers, and they're looking for a way to, to see their name in lights and to see themselves on television mm. or to see themselves do this or do that. And honestly, that stuff doesn't interest me at all. Um, it does allow, you know, some of those things have happened for me, and it allows me to to connect with other people and to and to you know, I love making safe spaces for people to feel loved and to be and to be extra and not to be judged for it and to. Um, express their emotions and to talk about things that are that might be difficult and you know i see that that is my job as a musician or an entertainer more so than than the music or the entertainment part of it and and so i think trying to find a community i, I like to look at kind of the what it is that makes me tick and what i mm-hmm. am drawn to naturally and go for that and go for people who like those things too
0: Oh, I love that. And speaking of your your music, it is so beautifully crafted. And um the way you write, just all of it is just such an art form. And in one of your songs, I'm gonna quote one of the lines, you say, My calluses are palaces in times of peace and castles in times of war. Hmm. Okay, that I, I just you're so cool. We're just gonna start right there. <laughs> I'm like, who, who drops a line like that? Good God, Calvin. It's so heavy. Okay. So you have to break that down for me. What, what does that mean to you? Cause I mean, I have a thousand things that pop in my mind when I, when I read lyrics like that, but what, where did that come from? I want
1: to hear what you think first.
0: Oh gosh. Well, when I think of calluses, I think of places that are worn and places that have rubbed you almost raw, but that you've had to over time, it used to be painful, but over time you build up this um, this barrier, this strength. I'm a former dancer, so I know calluses because mm-hmm. I did point work for years. So I think in those terms, like it was painful, blistering, awful bleeding, and then it turns into this protective barrier. Yeah. and I can think of a thousand things um, in my life that have felt that way, but there are a few that I would lump into a category that would feel like a castle. That would be that, that refuge place for me that I do go to because in the darkest of dark is where I was rebuilt.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so that, that kind of resonates with me that way. But, but the palaces in times of peace, that's where you throw me in that line because I understand the castles part. Um, but the palace and the peace part, I'm like, Oh, help me help me connect <laughs> those dots.
1: Well, for, for me, it's it's. Re- I mean, the whole that whole song is called, is about kind of a little. I mean, well, it's an analogy of writer's block, and I would like to talk about the muses as kind of a playful way to to think about where songs come from, and where and where inspiration comes from, and and in the song, the kind of the premise behind it is that the muse has left me and left me dry, left me high and dry for another musician. And and I can hear them chatting, I can hear them writing in the next room, and, and I here I am alone. And so what am I supposed to do if, if the muses aren't feeding me songs? And uh. and so the song says, um, 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 those notes are mine. Have I not played that melody ten thousand times? My calluses are palaces in times of peace and castles in times of war. And in the context of music. You know, when I play harp for hours and hours, like it's such a euphoric experience. And, mm. and even in the harp and, you know, I play guitar and, and some other instruments as well. And, and all of them will create calluses. And when you first begin, it's really clunky. And, and, and particularly guitar, like, you know, everyone who's tried it knows that, that the strings hurt for a while before it starts to be a pleasurable experience. But the idea of, of the thing, yeah, the, the, the product of, of friction in your life, becomes a refuge that that you can adorn and that you get praised for like sometimes people who are who seem so strong you know we see their strength but and we see their beauty but we don't realize that it came from years of fiction mm. whether that be emotionally or some kind of you know like there was a reason why there's a backbone there's a reason why your muscles are strong yeah. it came from resistance. There's a reason why, why you know, why you get to be limber as a dancer. It's because you pushed yourself to be limber. It, it wasn't the beauty didn't just come out of nothing. It came out of uh, out of withstanding life. It came out of with, withstanding some hardships. So I think you know right. it's and and you know the, the basic structure of a castle and a palace is the same, but their function is quite different. Uh, castles are for times of war, like I mean, just in history, and the palace is the place where you have all the, the gardens and and the beauty. But they're both made out of stone they're both made out of uh, a strong surface and so um, and they're both are meant to house and to protect and to shelter so for me as as a musician and me as a person, the things that I have gained from a constant resistance bring both beauty and protection and, and mm. they are super important.
0: gosh, that's so good <laughs> gosh that's so good and I see, this is why your music is so captivating. This is why your music is so captivating because it's not just another lyric. It's not just another song. It's not just another note, but it is such a story. I feel like you're such a storyteller artistically in your work. And you are entertaining too. I mean, that's the beauty of Calvin on stage. You're so eclectic and entertaining, but but there's this depth to you that just makes people pause. And And I'm curious, how how would you say... Your background in church has influenced that part of your your music experience because because a lot of people say um, and and I would say this too that engaging in a worship moment um, a worshipful experience is very sacred people connect uh, to the divine that way and and it's a beautiful thing but I almost feel like like what you have tapped into is a sacred place also so how like how would you say those two have kind of molded themselves together mm-hmm. in your work uh,
1: it, I think it was a, a series actually that I heard on on Ecclesiastes and it feels really nice to be able to talk to you in, in this way because you'd be familiar with some of these things um, <laughs> you know whereas people who weren't raised in the church would be really uh, clueless about it at all but right it kind of I, I realized at some point through even studying scripture that things the religion is dead unless it is mixed with beautiful intention. And anything can have symbolism. Anything can mean something if it has meaning, if you put meaning behind it. And like I said earlier, I have experienced so many beautiful worship experiences and, and, and settings that were full of, 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 of beautiful healing in the heart inside the church and now outside of the church. And I was actually thinking about this um, uh, just a little bit earlier and um, and how I had uh, a couple of recent, recently uh, who was recently divorced and they both ended up at one of my performances and they sat across the room from each other and they both wept throughout the whole performance and ended up wow. speaking for the first time after the performance in the parking lot. And it's like moments like that, you know, and they came, and one of them came up to me afterwards and said, "You know, thank you so much for this beautiful performance because you really provided a space where, where we could exist, you know, not together, mm-hmm. um, and it was okay." And and I just, you know, I live for that. I live for being able to facilitate moments where people feel like they was well, not scary to be vulnerable, where they know that if they if they let go or if they let out a sigh or if they, you know, let their hair down or. Um, or anything like that that they that they will still be respected and that that the perception of them isn't changed their their value isn't based in a in, in perceived perfection and
2: hmm.
1: and i think what i also love about about ceremony is you know it's not so much in you know and this is where where i think a uh, religion in general has has I mean you know, many people in the church would probably agree with this too like like it's not just the ritual of doing the thing it's the reason why we do it it's the thing that we're remembering and so much of what goes wrong in religion is when we say oh my goodness we had an amazing experience this time so we have to continue to do those things with the expectation that that the transcendence will just come because of the actions not because of the intention. And so every show that I do, I try to to mix it up and I have different elements um, that I like to do, but it's, but it's, it's almost in the, it's, (laughs) it's in the, it's in the doing, it's in the, um, gosh, like I always, I always do something for a performance that, that costs me something, that costs me some time. Something, whether it's pulling apart and pressing rose petals or if it's a hanging art or if it's sewing costumes together like there it, it has to mean more to me than just showing up and it doesn't matter what the thing is it's just like I need to know that I've invested my hands in time thinking about the people who will be there thinking about about the subject matter of the work hoping that you know people will cry and that people will laugh and that people will have a good time but that all in all that I have given time and and invested myself into this performance rather than just showing up and expecting that people will be touched. And I and I think that the music, you know, does have something to say by itself. But for me, it's more than just it's more than just showing up, and singing songs, and leaving. It's like, how can I how can I perform this time as if it were my last time? And if it were my last time, what am I going to say? What is my legacy here? What is my legacy in this moment? What do these people need? Mm. What do they need to hear? And and this is constantly on the front of my mind.
0: It's such intentionality. And and not only intentionality, but like like you said, this legacy-minded drive. It's like you're driven to to maintain this authentic space, not only for yourself, but so much so that you're creating space for other people to be that way as well. And I, I just, it's so inspiring. It's beautiful. You talked earlier about, about shame and, and the shame game and, and how so much of your journey wrestled with that. And I think that resonates with a lot of people. A lot of people, and I know a lot of people listening, they, they struggle with that whole self loathing thing, that whole self hatred, I'm not enough thing. I've got to be this. I've got to be that. Mm-hmm. And, and that's such a, um, it's such a normal pattern. For so many people, and and I and I hate saying it that way because I wish it weren't true, but it really is. A lot of us get stuck in that rhythm and we just accept it as normal. So, could you share a little bit of your thoughts about that? Because I I imagine that's something that you yourself have journeyed through.
1: Mm-hmm, for sure, mm, it's something like with everything that comes in phases and comes strong or weak or not at all still um but at a certain point i was able to start thinking about things a little bit differently when i reviewed in my heart and in my mind and i just literally imagined the faces of all the people who have believed in me all the people who have said kind words all the people who have who have gone over and above expectation to to facilitate in my life the people that I've known and the people that I can see, but then also think even further to the people who, you know, who farm the fields and who pick the cotton and who, and who, you know, everything that you can see. I mean, just look around you, wherever you are right now, all of the things that you can see, there were hands involved in the things that you have, the clothes you're wearing, the furniture you're sitting at, mm-hmm. somebody picked those coffee beans that you're sipping on right now. Like, like, there are so many people who've invested into the moment that in the, in the life that you're experiencing right now that it is an absolute shame for you to waste the gift that they have given you.
2: Mm.
1: So being lost in self-hatred, which is such a, like, um, it's, gosh, I'm getting emotional just thinking about it, but it is such a, um, it just, it wastes. It wastes the beauty. It takes it away. It makes you thinking it makes you think about, about how how bad you are or how not good enough you are or or how you disappointed this or that or even it's probably even just mostly your own expectations. Things that no one else is looking to, to judge you on. And, right. and so how do I honor the gift? that so many people that my mother and that my father that my family that my mentors that my teachers like these people have trained their whole lives to be skilled at these things and they offered that sacrifice to me they offered that gift to me so how do i honor that the best way first of all i i, I acknowledge and i'm grateful for those gifts and i tried to tell people the people who invested in me i tried to be mindful to make sure to say thank you and actually say it but then beyond that, honoring their gift that they have put into me is by living my best life and by living in the way that the best way that I know that I'm capable of doing. And so that means I'm going out and I'm singing and I'm singing with all of my heart and I'm giving permission and I'm making safe spaces. And no, that isn't necessarily exactly what I thought I was going to be doing when I was a kid, you know, or or even as a young adult. Not not in the same way, but it's how do I pass on. The, the the same amount of love and attention and care that's been poured into me onto the people that I encounter on a daily basis, and it makes it so that it's not thinking about myself, but instead honoring again honoring the legacy and honoring the the sacrifices of the people who have loved me so well. Um, the best way to do that is to continue to love well and to think about other people and to and to keep passing it on.
0: Mm. That was not at all what I thought you were going to say. And now I'm in tears because you caught me so off guard with that. (laughs) And I'm just sitting here going, oh, and you know, I've had moments where I, what's the right way to put this? Where I, where I almost tap in to that way of thinking, to that way of, of looking at myself, because it is a self inward reflection Mm -hmm. when you see yourself that way and you see the grit That you yourself have come from because of the people before you, the people around you, Mm -hmm. the people who have just breathed life into you. Um, And those moments are life changing. They truly are. But I think a lot of people get, get stuck in this place of well, I don't, I don't want to think too highly of myself Mm -hmm. because I don't want to get caught up in this whole like great is me thing. And, and I just, I have to keep myself humble and I can't think too highly of myself. You know, they go down this road and, and, and I think people sell themselves short. And, and I, for a long time lived in that space too, where don't self-promote, don't tell people what you're good at, don't any of that, because you don't want to bring attention and quote unquote glory onto yourself. So what would you say the difference is between like for someone who would hear what you just said and say oh but i don't want to be selfish or self-centered <laughs> or a narcissist or something yeah. like how would you differentiate that
1: well i mean you think about um I, I went through a process of life coaching and in the in that process um you do a lot of psychometrics and you and you do personality tests and different kind of of um different kinds of, of studying how your mind works, how your brain works, how your personality works. And I think I worked through a lot of the shame stuff at that time in my life too, because I realized that I wasn't intended to be good at everything. And and no one is. In fact, we are supposed to have holes. Like we don't have eyes in the back of our head for a very good reason, because we're supposed to have people there. <laughs> and we do have people there. <laughs> and mm. so it's like, how am I going to make myself a good asset, a good, uh, a, a good team member? How am I going to 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 um, to bring myself up in a way that I am somebody that people want to be around? And and how can I use my skills to benefit my community? And I feel like humility is not just being me, or not being like bashful and cheapest about your about your accomplishments or or i mean humility is just being 100 yourself nothing more and nothing less and in, in the same breath for me and not to say that i'm perfect at all but 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 like this has just become a really uh, nice practice for me to know like yes these are the things i'm good at but i'm also very acquainted with my weaknesses and i love to celebrate the people around me in their strengths where i am weak and I love to ask for help. I love saying, I don't know. I love asking questions. And and I think that's maybe the the difference. It's like, no, I'm not perfect, but I have this to bring. How can I help you? How can I benefit this community that I'm plugging into? And and these are the things that I struggle with. Do you know anybody that can help me with this? And these are my strengths. Do you know anybody that I can help with this? Um, It's like... When, when you're shy about those things, you you cut off your great resources, and and again, the legacy of people that you're carrying with you, you're cutting off th- that goodness from your community, and and there's a big difference between humbly saying these are the assets I'm bringing. How can I how can I benefit this space? Um, and and the, and the contrary is look at how good I am. Glorify me for it. You know, it's the generosity. I think right. Maybe is the difference. Like like i want to offer this to this space how how can i offer this well but if you diminish the things that you have the things that you've been given what your what your assets are in the space then i feel like you are you are che- cheating out your community from from what it could be like you have a very specific and beautiful role in your life and when you take that away from the community, I feel like that's, a sh- that's, that's the shame. <laughs> like, like, don't, yeah. don't withhold the beauty that you are under the guise of false humility, because that's not humility at all. That's just selfishness again. So, so that's kind of like how I, that's, I don't know, that's how I think about, about that.
0: And you know what I, what I was thinking while you were saying that the irony of this here and again, You and I can can attest to this because, well, maybe we'll see what your take is on this. But given your history in the church space, as has my history been there as well, it's interesting how the church has subtly taught this message of, like you just said, this false humility thing where it's like, don't think too highly of yourself. Just stay low. Keep your head down. Don't bring attention to yourself, blah, blah, blah. And people stay in that space their whole lives. and yet. The leaders above them saying that are doing the very opposite of that. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just such a weird cycle that if you have spent your whole life in this world, which I pretty much have, you really think that's normal. It's like you stay very low and you don't draw attention to yourself. It's not about me. I'm just going to honor the people above me, honor authorities, especially as a woman, honor all of our authorities. And then wait for someone to say, now your turn. And then you're given permission to step up and speak or talk or share your gift. But until then, you're not allowed. And so I, I wanted to bring attention to that. One, to see if you share that same viewpoint. But two, just to remind those that are in that world that it's it's a very hypocritical stance.
1: Mm, yeah. Um, I think being... Being a, a male, my experience might be a little bit different. Um, not th- not to say that I I mean I wasn't often given that much authority or or even attention that often <laughs> in the church context. I mean, like I was I was allowed to most of my time on stage was was playing piano or a guitar behind a worship leader. Um, mm-hmm. And I do remember a time when I when I wanted to sing and I wanted to do more and I wanted to lead the worship. Um, in, in my church communities and so often I was I was told that, you know, or like I was just I was encouraged to continue to just be the keyboard player, you know? Um, right. And at the time I I remember just saying yes and, and okay and that I was going to be the best the best support keyboard player there ever was. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I'm sure you were
1: <laughs> I mean I tried, you know. And but there was a lot that I learned in that process and and, and, and yeah you know, like, okay, this is the thing that my community needs right now. Um, and this is something that, a skill that I possess, and this is what I'm going to offer, you know? And I, and I had other places to, and I found other places, and I made other places for myself to, yeah. to have a place for my other gifts to shine, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But I think that, that the experience of the woman in the church is very unique, and I'm not going to even pretend that I understand (laughs) that at all.
0: (laughs) Well, what you're describing is a very open-handed giving flow Mm -hmm. to where you are not threatened by anybody around you. You are there to, like you said, benefit those that you can doing what you are asked to do or doing what you can do. And, and that's a very given giving and taking and flowing back and forth thing and, and space. And I think a lot of people have just not felt that it's more of like this white knuckle clenched thing Mm -hmm. where there isn't much give and take. It's all this fear thing of who, who's going to get to be in charge and who's going to get the spotlight. And they fight over that. And, and there's a lot of competition inside of faith spaces and faith communities and church groups of who's going to be at the top. And, and no one really says this out loud. Again, I, I tend to kind of just think about these things for years and years and years and then finally come to my conclusion and say stuff about it. But I now can look back and say that I witnessed that and I felt that and I and I find that such a shame. Mm-hmm. I really do. And I love the picture you're painting of of this giving community where I am here to give and I'm here to receive and there's nothing more and nothing less than that. It's beautiful. I love that. I think
1: that another part of it though too, is that for people who are in the church, they feel like we are taught or we're led to feel like our service during that service, our our service during the church service, right? Is, is the (laughs) ultimate expression of our humanity. And Mm, that we, unless we can, give in that space then we don't really have worth and yes
0: that's so true (laughs) yes
1: and so maybe maybe you're not supposed to be a pastor you know because or, or or a teacher on Sundays there can only be one person teaching on a Sunday but 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 your desire to teach should not go wasted you know
0: right right
1: there are other contexts for you to shine in the thing that you do well and just because you're not getting the praise of, of, of the congregation doesn't mean that you, that you shouldn't be doing the thing that you feel you were called to do.
0: Right. Yes, that's so good. That's so good. And I think that's probably freeing for a lot of people to hear that um, because a lot of people, I think, sit on their hands and wait for that permission slip right. to be able to do what's burning inside of them. And when you have a gift that's burning inside of you, it can be torment if you don't let it exactly. out. It really can, especially for creatives. Um, I kind of want to land the plane on, on this, on this question for you. You have, you've traveled so much. You've met so many people from so many different walks of life and different journeys and different places. And when you think of the American modern church today, across the spectrum of all of your experiences that you've had, how would you say that the American modern Western church compares to the model of Jesus?
1: Hmm. Well, in my in my personal opinion, I feel like I feel like even Paul's church is very much at odds with Jesus's church, um, mm. and we don't have to even come so far as to say the American modern Western church. <laughs> um, I feel like Jesus. I mean, the, the, this idea of of church coming from the word ecclesia being like a council, a community a family, um, uh, people you want around to help make decisions, to help support, to help. Um, I mean, it's kind of in my mind like a chamber of commerce. Again, like not everybody's going to bake the bread. Like we only need one person to do that for this community. Not everybody's <laughs> going to, um, you know, be, be able to bake the bread and plant the fields and harvest the fields. Like we, everyone has a role to play to create the environment for life to flourish. And I think that more than, than, than creating a club that we meet at specific times, more over than a place or, or a genre of music or uh, with the words that we put on our T-shirts or the book that we hold in our hand, Jesus wanted people to feel and to be connected to a greater purpose, a greater, a greater experience one that was full of forgiveness and that was full of love and that was full of permission to be and to grow and to enjoy the earth. And, and so as much as we can get back to that space, as much as we can get away from shame, as much as we can get away from like just like dead routine, as much as we can get away from quieting the inner call to be beautiful and to be excellent and to be, the the reflection of the earth that is intended to be beautiful and is beautiful um i i think that that it's maybe you know like i was saying even earlier like how do we take something um that could be spun in a dark way or in a negative way and instead and instead use it for for positivity and so so i think about the ideal world that jesus would would love for us to, to be in and the thing that he showed us and modeled us for us so well as as a man um was to to love outrageously and to stand up against the people who hinder love and and i want to be about that and i think that it would do anyone who is breathing and listening and and existing on this planet now to also make that a, the goal of their own
0: Oh, I love that. I love that. To piggyback on that question, one, one more thing I want to ask you in your journey, what has God been to you?
1: I think God to me, has been the great equalizer in that this uncreated being who exists outside of time and space, who who I can see through creation loves order and cycles and balance and seasons and... There is life and death and everything, but the death creates new life. I think that these systems and how there's cycles in our emotional life and cycles in our friendships and cycles in in the moon and the stars and the water systems and um, God, to me is is the great equalizer that that all all people have to face with. Um, sorry. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I feel, I feel like, yeah, this, this, this idea that, um, and this being, this, this presence of, of somebody that, um, that doesn't change. That's a constant that, that takes things that were meant for harm and makes them into things that are beautiful.
0: Oh, I love that. I love that. Calvin, thank you. Thank you for, for taking time. To be on this show with me and for sharing your journey and your, your thoughts and your, your, just your story. It's such a beautiful art form, even in that mm. your storytelling of your story is an art <laughs> form and it's inspiring on so many levels. And, and I am, I feel like I'm walking away with a full heart and I'm sure everyone listening is feeling the same way. Mm. So thank you. Mm. thank you. Thank you. Can, can you tell our listeners who don't know of your work and don't know of your music, how they can find your work and your music.
1: Yeah, I've got I've got stuff on Spotify, iTunes. Um, I've got a new record coming out uh, in late October. Um, and you can find that also on my website, which is calvinarsenia.com. And that's Arsenia, A-R-S-E-N-I-A.
0: Awesome. And I will have links to that in the show notes of this episode. So it will be nice and easy for everyone to find. Calvin, thank you so much. It was a joy talking to you. Thank you so much. Hey there, I hope you enjoyed the conversation today. You can find my blog and links to my Instagram and Facebook account on my website at justajesusfollower.com. I hope you join us next week for another raw, honest conversation. In the meantime, go in peace and know that you are enough.